Topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is 5-0-Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know. Hello and welcome to the Phoenix 5-0-Info show. I'm your host, Lieutenant Vince Lewis of the Phoenix Police Public Affairs Bureau. Once again, we're coming to you from beautiful downtown Phoenix. Police headquarters, 7th Avenue in Washington. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Yes. I need this help from my uh, co-host who's here every uh, week. Almost. PIO Almost Sergeant week. Rob Scherer. Good to be here, boss. Thanks for being here. Of Backing course. Me up. Appreciate yes. it. I'm here for you. Yeah. So uh, on a serious note, we have brought two special guests in here to talk about something that uh, affects us as a community. Um, not only have we seen a rise in uh, teen violence locally, but I think across the U.S. when I talk to my counterparts in other cities, everybody is concerned with a, uh, a pretty much a rise in teen violence. That's kind of been the topic of discussion, um, among uh, many other important topics. But specifically, what we're going to talk about is um, the known uh, relationships and the violence that could potentially erupt between teenagers in a dating setting. Yeah. Um, teen dating violence. Now, February is the month where we bring awareness to this topic. It's a very sensitive topic. It's a very important topic, especially near and dear to me. I've got teenagers at home. Yeah. Yeah, you and I both. This is definitely something where I think we're both... Um, anxious to talk about, maybe get pointers for ourselves, you yeah. know, in everyday life, so. So uh, I wanna introduce our, our friends from the Family Advocacy Center. Go ahead and introduce yourselves and let us know what you do and. Uh... So I'm Michelle D'Alba and I'm one of the Victim Services Supervisors at the Family Advocacy Center. Uh, my name is Melissa Ivanez and I'm also one of the Victim Advocate Supervisors at, at the FIC. Welcome. So I think it was very important that we have you on not only here uh, in, during the month of February, but also this is something that should be evergreen that we should talk about all the time. Um, give us an idea of, uh, of, of, of what we're facing now as a community in Phoenix um, with teen dating violence and, and, and what, what, what do we need to know and how do we need to uh, have these conversations with our teens? I think to start off, um, one of the things that I think is important for the community to know is that we exist, the Family Advocacy Center. So we're a walk-in location where somebody can come uh, Monday through Friday, eight to five, to be able to um, talk about if they're a victim of a crime, um, if they're needing community resources because their teen might be going through something like an unhealthy relationship, they don't even know what to do. Um, so just number one, that we're available, our services are confidential at no cost to the community. So in having that resource for not only parents to know where, uh, where to go to, but having a resource for uh, teens to feel like they can talk to somebody who's not going to lecture them or preach to them, but actually help them. Because, uh, you know, these budding relationships, they're doing adult, uh, oftentimes they're involved in adult settings, making adult decisions, and they're not adults. You know, we, the, a lot of them have had a hard lives and learn some lessons, but again, they, by age, they're just not quite there yet. So I think it's what you do with the Family Advocacy Center. Tell us a little bit more uh, on a personal level. Um, how do, does a Family Advocacy Center help a teen who might be a victim or might feel like they need to reach out to somebody? What kind of help or services can they get? So we help them in filing for restraining orders. So we've had some parents come and bring their teens and say, hey, they were in an abusive relationship. Like, can we file on behalf of the child? And we'll help guide them through that whole process. And then we do safety planning, of course, because that's critical. You know, they're a victim of crime. And we provide them with lots of community resources, like for um, counseling, long-term case management. We even educate them. We, we do a lot of like psychoeducation. We're like, hey, look, this is a cycle of abuse. It's not healthy. Um, if someone tries to manipulate you, they try to harass you, if they try to physically abuse you, like, 
it's not it's not good. You know, if you continue with these patterns, like this is going to be like ongoing in your adult like hood. So um, that's also very critical, something that we do there. So they're learning to form healthy relationships. They're learning boundaries. They're learning what's appropriate. And, and they don't uh, it, not all not everybody has a good, solid parental relationship to draw on as far as an experience goes. But that's where you folks can help tell them, know what you are feeling, trust your gut, you need to, you need to seek help. Yeah. How about for parents? Um, obviously, I'll go, I'll go the selfish angle on this, but, um, you know, I've got a teenager, I've got two girls coming into that, that point in their life. Um, what, you, you talked about the cycle of this, a lot of times teenagers and a lot of times teenage girls to, to their dad at times don't, aren't completely forthcoming. You know, they're trying to be that they're trying to transfer into that adulthood. And a lot of times they're not at that point to make a lot of those, those sound decisions. But what do I, as a parent, what, what kind of maybe some signs that are obvious or maybe the ones that aren't, what am I looking for to maybe it, it hits that red flag and I go, Ugh, maybe this is something we need to deal with. I would say maybe just observing a lot of like their time being on the phone or just social media. If you see someone constantly calling them or when they come back observing like your child, like it's like, why is their demeanor kind of like usually they're very talkative, engaging and, you know, we're laughing and they come home and they're kind of isolating themselves. It's like, what's going on? I mean, maybe I, I mean, I probably know that they are dating. Maybe I should kind of intervene and ask, or if you do know they're dating, it's like, Hey, what's going on? Like, I've noticed you've been acting kind of X, Y, and Z. Um, let's talk about it. But I think also too, it's important um, for parents to learn how to build rapport with their children. If you don't build a rapport with them. They're going to feel safe to come talk to you, you know? So um, but I think just observing a lot of that dynamic, if you see something's just kind of off, you know, just approach them and hopefully they'll be open to talk to you about it. And you can be like, hey, like, it's not safe for you to um, continue like this. Or if you're telling me that um, someone is abusing you, like, you know, there are options if the parent's aware of it, you know. Right. Um, so, but I mean, that can be some somewhere to start, you know. And to piggyback off of what Michelle was saying is, um, like, I have a teen daughter, so I can empathize with you guys. Mm -hmm. And from very young, like eight years old, I started to talk about safety planning mm -hmm. that consisted of like if there's somebody at school that, you know, is doing something, whether it be a student, an adult, um, if you don't feel comfortable telling me, who do you feel comfortable talking to? And let's establish that. Um, it could mean like checking her phone weekly to make sure I know what apps are on her phone and making sure that those apps don't give her access to where adult sites are or whatever. Um, just kind of being aware and just being comfortable with having those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, that, that's definitely key, having those uncomfortable conversations that and even as parents, it's like, oh, I don't want to get too involved because then they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, you're too much in my business. you know. But it's like, well, I, I need to because I'm seeing there's something off with you, like you're not being yourself. So respect, I think, goes a long way yeah. in both directions, respecting their privacy, respecting their attempt at trying to be good adults, but also giving them the information that they probably just don't have yet because they're not there yet. So uh, how do you approach a, a parent? And let's just say that the uh, the conversation goes towards the parent really wants to take back the control that they had when they, their teens were young. How, how, do you guys get much into helping uh, parents and teens really come together to understand where the other is coming from? I would say like one thing that we, um talk to parents about so when they come to our center the parent usually brings the child obviously so we'll have a conversation with the parent do the assessment do you feel comfortable letting your teen come back and speak with an advocate 
on our own before we introduce you into the conversation so we could get an entire picture of what's really going on. Sometimes that. Um, other times it could be that we could refer the family to a counselor who would be able to kind of um, bring up those topics that the teen doesn't feel comfortable talking about um, in a comfortable setting where they feel safe um, and that they have that confidentiality with the teen to be able to establish like that trust. And I think that goes a long way. And I think also to piggyback on what she said is, I know from my experience working with the parents and the teens, I always tell the parent, look, everything I tell you is confidential, but I want to also get their assent. That's what they call it. You know, saying I need to get their consent that they also want to participate in these services. Because I mean, we're filing on behalf of, you know, you're, like you're filing on behalf of the child, but like that's their ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend. So we want to make sure they're actually involved in this too. So we're, we're, we're law enforcement. We're talking with Michelle and Melissa from the Family Advocacy Center. You are, it's a city of Phoenix facility that advocates on behalf of victims, primarily in family crimes, crimes against children and so forth. And we're dealing with teens who aren't yet adults and the uh, potential for dating violence among the teens and they come to you all for help and services. So um, where do you draw the line between we are not law enforcement versus this we have to report? That's a great question. So in order for anyone to receive services from Family Advocacy Center, law enforcement involvement is not required. So that's one thing that we kind of let them know right off the gate um, because sometimes they're not ready for that. You know, maybe something did happen and it should be reported, but we come in with a trauma-informed approach. And I think by doing so, by providing a victim their victim's rights, explaining to them the entire criminal justice process, you know, as advocates, we can actually help that victim throughout their entire process. Um, so I think establishing that trust with them and then kind of just moving along to what is best for the client and not what we think is best for them. And to piggyback on that, it's just we're always trying to meet the client where they're at. And that's why when even the parents come in, we even say, look, like, I know you're expressing your concern for this, but we want to make sure that the child wants to also do this, too, because you can get the restraining order, they get served, but then they still end up talking to their girlfriend or boyfriend at school or wherever or on social media. All the kids are on social media, you know, so and there's only so much you can control sometimes on social media, or even when they're out with their friends and they'll can lie and say, well, one of my friends has, but they're actually with the boyfriend or the girlfriend or, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Social media has got to mm -hmm. add an exponential increase in difficulty yeah. because you've got pressures not only from just being a teen out in the community, but you've got these other pressures that we necessarily didn't have yeah. much to do with when, when we were teens. But yeah. then again, how do you bridge that gap between we're all adults here trying to relate to a teen who is just getting into this world and just starting to see complications and their gut tells them to reach out. How do you bridge that gap between us as adults and them as young adults? I would say number one is um, a lot of parents, they, we, call, we call it like they have the old style of parenting, where like you listen to me or this. <laughs> and just helping them to like educate them about like, it's not like how it used to be. You know, we used to have to go get a payphone to call someone, send a letter in the mail, like snail mail. Mm -hmm. And we'd have, what, communication a couple times a week with this person. Now it's literally every single day at any moment th this person, unhealthy person, could be contacting your child, you know, could be trying to coerce your child to do things that they don't want to do. And just kind of like um, thinking about that it's not how it used to be. Um, a lot of times that old parents that are older would think like, 
you know, oh, he's just in love with her. It's cute, you know. Like, it's okay that he sends her a thousand text messages in one day. No, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. If you can add to, like, but. Yeah, I think just uh, there's a lot of parents, they have that mentality, like that fixed mentality where it's like nowadays, it's like, no, it's not like that anymore. Like, um, a lot of kids, too, especially nowadays, they're a lot, they're very vocal, you know, and they're being educated now on certain topics or things going on in society, you know, which is great. That's why I'm like, social media has its pros and cons, you know, but again, it's also concerning, especially when they're in these like abusive relationships, you know, and then sometimes, like I said, as a parent, you can only monitor it so much and being kind of in control because then you want to build that trust and that rapport, but it's like, but I don't want to like overstep, you know, because then they're really not going to come and talk to me when something does happen. Well, we're just about out of time, but where can we, the parents and teens, go for more information about Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month or just the topic of, uh, of, of teen dating violence? Um, so they can go to our uh, website, Family Advocacy Center. Um, they can also um, look up the Arizona Coalition to End Domestic Violence and Sex Assault. Um, there's also uh, national uh, teen hotlines that they, teens can call 24-7 um, to talk to an advocate. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a lot of like resources available, but if they connect with us, we will give them those resources. Yeah, they can always call us, you know, at the main line and we'll have an advocate speak to them and give them all those resources or whatever they're needing. Perfect. And I'm pretty sure that phoenix.gov slash police would have some links to those as well. So I want to thank Michelle and Melissa for joining us from the Family Advocacy Center. And uh, I'd like to thank my co-host, oh, Rob Scherer. Thank you guys both. Thank the crew for producing. And uh, as always... Uh, you can help fight crime in your community and potentially earn a cash reward by sending tips to Silent Witness. Visit silentwitness.org or call 480-WITNESS. Follow Phoenix Police on all social media platforms. Visit us at phoenix.gov police. And uh, we're hiring, so go to joinphxpd.com. And uh, until next time, remember, we're all in this together. You've been listening to 5-0 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org. Or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.